We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. It is the final game day preview of 2019 and of the regular season as the Packers get ready to take on the Detroit Lions from Ford Field over in Detroit. My name is Mike Lund. Alongside me this, this Sunday, Chris Schimmel. And Chris, it's been a magical year. Uh, how are you feeling as we wrap up 2019? It's crazy that this is, uh, like you said right before uh, we came on, this is the last Regular season Packer game of the decade, which is crazy to think that uh, eventually we'll be entering uh, the 20s. But yeah, this, this season has been just gone by. I mean, it feels like that every year. When it, whenever the last game of the season comes up, you feel like the season has just flown by, and, and it's true. This whole decade has flown by. But yeah, and, and I think it's really only fitting for the Packers to play the Lions the last game of this year after what happened last year. So, but overall, you know. It's it's a weird you know twelve and three team, but then again twelve and three is sexy, so I can't complain too much about that. No, absolutely. And we started the decade off getting ready for a Super Bowl uh, within a year. Now hopefully we're trying to end it with another Super Bowl run as well as we get ready for what could be a roaring twenties with Matt Lafleur and Aaron Rodgers still at the helm. But looking toward uh, this Lions game, and again you said it before we started recording that. Pretty much every pundit's going to pick the Packers, and they should. And the Packers, on basically every level, whether it's offensive line, defensive line, safety play, kicker, 
return game, well, except for return game, the Packers have an edge. They should, they are clearly the better team. Detroit is very much seems to be resigned to their fate. And I saw somewhere online that Detroit could be in a way tanking because if they can lose and get a little bit of help, they can drop to that number two pick, which would most likely give them Chase Young. So there's there's incentive for Detroit to really kind of, I don't want to say roll over because division games, they're going to try and play hard, but they there's there's not a ton of of a benefit to them not losing this game. This this could actually help them out to get to that number two pick and continue to build and continue to do what they can when they still have Stafford in his prime. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, this is a game that, you know, they have nothing really gained by winning except for some pride ending the season on a, on a high, uh, high note. You know, but, you know, this is not the same Detroit team that the Packers played earlier in the year. You know, not like not even close. I mean, have they lost seven in a row. They lost the last three games by double digits, I think. So overall, this Lions team really, you know, you know they say cornering an animal is when they're the, at their most dangerous. I feel the same thing kind of with this Detroit team because even though the Packers have an edge at almost every position, I still feel like this is, might be a tough game simply because what what happened against the Giants and the Redskins. You know what I mean? So I still feel like they can't take the Lions lightly. That this team, yes, they do have more, you know, they could lose this game and get a better draft pick. But at the same time, I feel like you can't let your guard down against this team, especially uh, um, with their coach, who I think is a pretty, pretty aggressive coach. No, I agree, and Matt, Matt Patricia definitely an aggressive coach out there, and I, I agree with you that they're not going to they're not going to take this lightly, and the team has kind of implied that they're not taking this lightly, especially when it comes to especially how they manage injuries and with their planning and what they're going to do. Uh, I do think that I do think with Detroit that their season effectively ended on that Monday night earlier this year. Uh, I was at that game, and the first quarter was all Detroit that entire game. They they after they had a couple turnovers, they had a couple big plays to Galladay. But but much like Minnesota last week, they couldn't really cash in on those turnovers with with only with field goals. And then Green Bay was able to chip away and get some big plays from Alan Lazard and his breakout. And the Packers and again a little help from uh, uh, hands of the face on Trey Flowers. I was just gonna say yeah, he. I, I feel like that's the one player who's from Detroit who I'm gonna really look for because I feel like that guy's gonna you know want some payback after what happened the last game. So him going up against. Uh, you know, Bakhtiari and Bulaga, I think, will be fun to watch. No, definitely. But I do think after that, they kind of got demoralized because they spent the next week talking about the officials, talking about what happened. And then Stafford gets hurt, and Detroit just kind of falls off rail because then Driscoll gets hurt. Now they're starting David Blau, and Marvin Jones is out, and this team is just in free fall. And especially now that they've announced Patricia's back. So it's, it remains to be seen what's going to happen with them. But on the Packers' side... It's going to be interesting to see what they what they do with as far as keeping guys healthy because there's a couple guys listed on the injury report that aren't expected to play. So what what they really do? So I'm just going to kind of go through it. Uh, the big one is Jamal Williams listed as doubtful for the game. So what, and Jamal he's not expected to play. Matt Lafleur pretty much said he's not going to be playing. So that likely means Dexter Williams active. Uh, we might see Tyler Irvin get some more snaps in the and on offense, more of those pop passes. Chris, what do you think the Packers are going to do with Jamal Williams out, and how much are they going to try and bounce out Aaron Jones to not overwork him 
in this game when you already have a playoff spot. Exactly. That's the thing. It was the one-two punch. You take a look over the last four games. Jones has uh, 63 carries. Jamal Williams, 31. So roughly twice as many as Jamal Williams. So you can't expect the Packers to just overload Jones, especially even with how poor the uh, Detroit Lions uh, run defense has been. You know, they allowed 150 yards and two touchdowns on the ground last week against Denver. But even then, you need to have a good balance, see what Deck Williams can do and can do, because you're going to want to have to have Jones fresh. I understand that he is, what is he, uh, two touchdowns away from uh, breaking Amon Green's franchise record for, uh, for total touchdowns. And two touchdowns in 16 yards. Exactly. He's only going to need 16 yards, so... I think he'll get that, and then people can shut up about, you know, uh, about not giving him the ball. But I really think that we're going to see a little bit more Dexter Williams Irvin to see what they can do, and uh, and then hopefully Jamal Williams will be back. Especially because if you win here, you get the buy, that gives Jamal Williams an extra week. And especially, oh yeah, I was going to say especially with shoulder, the physical looking for contact, so that physicality that he has, you're going to which it's every single. Upper body movement you really do involves the shoulder. So you're really going to gonna see 11, 12, 13 personnel instead of seeing, you know, 21 or 22. But, yeah, Danny Fatale, once again, do you, do you agree? Like, of course, we don't know the, the true in-depth of the injury report. I, I, and I understand Jamal Williams, but Fatale being out, that will that'll be huge, especially with the, how the, the Lions are without their four starting linebackers. So using your... Your backs, sending them out in routes, could have been a huge game plan for them. But with two of their backs being out, that really does uh, cause some issues. I agree. But the one thing that I do think will help out is that will open things up for the tight ends to take advantage of those linebackers. And uh, our, our very own Dusty did a very Dusty even did a very good uh, thread on Twitter about how the tight ends have been doing good clearing stuff out for the receivers to get those slants open, especially against Minnesota. Oh yeah, with the yeah yeah, but uh, do, is Sternberger? Uh, I would playing? assume so. He was a healthy scratch. So I'd assume he'd be up with with Vitalian Williams. Okay. Uh, but I think I think all four tight ends will get out there. I do think this is the chance. And and I was going back to my point with Dusty's thread was whether I, he's he he is getting a lot of fun. Part of, a lot of it, some of it's deservedly so, but teams still do account for Jimmy Graham. They still make sure he's covered. They still make sure that they have a guy there, which does open up things for the receivers on the outside when you have a linebacker sinking in to cover a big tight end, whether it's Graham or Lewis or Tanyan. And I do think that the tight ends, this could be a game for them to really get some symmetry and open things up a bit. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because, you know, they know all it takes is them for to screw up one time and Jimmy Graham can make a huge play, and they just don't want to uh, risk it. So that, that, is, that, that is a very good point. And then uh, staying with the offensive line, it looks like everyone's healthy, but they do have a new extension announced. Uh, Lucas Patrick is going to be in Green Bay for the next couple of years, which, and this signing really does signify that Lane Taylor's done after this year. Uh, Taylor's probably going to get cut and with, with no more guaranteed money. The Packers announced the, the two-year extension for Lucas Patrick. It's about... Three points. It's about three point six million for two years, so it's a pretty solid team-friendly deal. He'll be the primary backup at both guard spots and at center. And a, a good story for Lucas Patrick. Uh, he was a tryout player, spent time on the practice squad. He's now played in thirty-nine games over his three seasons out of Duke, and he, he's shown that he can be versatile, getting some time at center and doing a really good job against Dallas after Corey Lindsley got hurt. So good for Lucas Patrick, and that's another piece that's uh, solidified on this offensive line. Yeah, you know, everyone loves uh, an underdog story, and Lucas Patrick is ultimate underdog. 2016 undrafted out of Duke. But, yeah, the game against Dallas, I mean, 
that was a game Aaron Jones had four rushing touchdowns. The backers were just running it down their throats. And Lucas Patrick was a big part of that. And to be fair, he did have a couple snaps that went directly to Jones unintentionally, but still, he, he's getting Oh, yeah. <laughs> but either way, uh, good, on, good on Lucas Patrick. And again, this probably signifies officially the end of the Lane Taylor era in Green Bay. He probably won't be back as a backup. They'll look to draft someone to come in late or Cole Madison come back healthy. But flipping things over to the Packers' defense against Detroit, Detroit's offense is going to be struggling. Uh, no Hawkinson, no Marvin Jones. Kerryon Johnson's only in his second game back from injured reserve. But there's still that Kenny Galladay guy out there, and he's pretty solid. But can Blau get him the ball, and can that offensive line hold up enough Packers' pass rush? Because we saw Minnesota completely fail uh, one through five on that on that line. Detroit's not much better on, up front. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, Galladay, you know, he's averaging a whopping 18 yards per catch. He's leading the league with 11 touchdowns. So seeing him and Jair go at it is going to be a lot of fun. But then again, I don't think that uh, uh, Detroit's quarterback is going to be have the time to really uh, target Galladay because I feel like the, the rush is going to get to him. You, you saw what happened against the Vikings with Zedaria Smith playing like a man possessed. And I just see that going into uh, the playoffs. The Packers defense is going to ride into the playoffs on a really high note. Just going back to the last four games, ever since they lost to San Francisco, they've been allowing less than 13 points a game. And I see that continuing um, against the Detroit Lions. I, I'd be surprised if Detroit can, can put up 13 or 14 points this game. No, I agree. And this is a game where as well where, again, expect to win, play your guys, and keep playing hard. But this could be another game where you get a lot of snaps for a Rashawn Gary, a Kingsley Kiki, a Montrevious Adams, a Kadar Holman, a Josh Jackson, guys like that who who can use those reps. Oren Burks, uh, get Kyler Fackrell in space again because he's been he's been re- he's been an underrated guy in coverage this year, covering those running backs out on the flat. But th- this is a chance for a lot of these guys to get those game reps and get and refine some things. Because guys like Gary have really started to come on the past few weeks, and if you can get Gary 25, 30, 35 snaps even against a team like this. If you, especially to get an early lead so you don't have to put a lot of pressure on Zedarius and Preston Smith, that could really help his team for a playoff run for next year and the years and the years to come. Oh, yeah, Rashawn Gary and Kyler Fackrell, you know, they've been well lately because they're fresh. You know, the Smiths have been playing so many snaps that when Gary and Fackrell finally come on, they're fresh. And so, and I think that's a smart thing to do, get these guys some extra reps before playoff time because playoff football is different from regular season football. You're going to be playing the best of the best. So, yeah, do you uh, – do you see uh, Smith getting another couple of sacks before you see Gary take over for the remainder of the game? You see, like, half, like, like the first quarter, you see uh, Smith getting a couple sacks, and then all of a sudden you see the coach saying, all right, to the bench with you, get Gary in there. <laughs> I think it's going to depend on the game. If, if it's a close game through the first half, they'll keep him in. But if we make him get uh, a, a big first quarter, get 14, 21 points early, I think we'll start filtering guys out, filtering out both Smith, filtering out Kenny Clark. Uh, maybe filtering a little bit more, a less Blake Martinez as well, because those guys, Blake Martinez played basically every snap this year for more or less, and getting some of those guys uh, some work. Well, just for fun, yeah, just for fun, I'm just going to have a bold prediction right here. Just a fun thing in the first or second quarter, this pass rush is going to get to David Blau. He's going to force it to Galladay, and Jair is going to pick it off and run it bad for six, because that's the one thing this defense has. I don't think they've had one this year as a pick six. No, because Jerry can't catch. Oh, oh come on. Well, this, is, this will change it. This will change it. <laughs> that, that's my bold prediction for uh, for this last game of the year. Yeah, Jair King, I think, was going to get one. Uh, I agree. I agree. I think this is, a, this is the prime spot to get a pick six for this team. 
even though, no, Jameis Winston's not throwing the ball, but... <laughs> well, basically yeah, did you did you see that statistic that said that Winston already has passed Aaron Rodgers for most for career interceptions? Yeah, uh, I saw a list as well <laughs> that had Jameis Winston's receivers for touchdowns. It's like Godwin, uh, or tight end, and then the other team. Like <laughs> but look, going back to the Packers and Lions, uh, th- this is a game where where we see some young guys, but the secondary is going to be a little bit different. Uh, Will Redmond is doubtful. So we may see some more Chandon Sullivan back there as safety. But also the Packers did release Tony Brown on Saturday. Uh, they haven't announced a corresponding roster move yet, but it was kind of came out of nowhere. I just got the update saying from the team he officially released, releasing Tony Brown, who's been a scratch the past couple of weeks. But this guy started week one, and he, he's one of the fastest players. He had played a lot of special teams. And it's, it's kind of interesting that, that they cut him now. Whether that means that Raven Green is coming back, I don't know. But when you have, for the really for the first time this year, a larger injury report going into a game, it's kind of interesting that you drop your roster by a man going into that game. So I'm kind of befuddled why Brown wouldn't be playing this week, but I guess maybe we'll see Kadar Holman suit up. Uh, Josh Jackson will get some snaps. So I guess this is another game thing where let's see what these guys have rather than Tony Brown, who has been kind of up and down. But I'm really fascinated to see Holman on the field for once. Yeah, and, you know, Tony Brown, he has been dealing with with injuries this month. I think it was a heel injury, and he's been sidelined for four games. But I also heard how good of a presence he was in the locker room, which takes, which is is huge. But, yeah, I I was surprised, surprised, too, when when all of a sudden I got, you know, a notification about it. I was like, wow, that last game of the year? Going into the playoffs, you know, but of course, more details hasn't been hasn't come out yet. So yeah, it it will be pretty interesting. No, you're right, you're right, and you never know what will happen, what happened, what will happen. But just just going into this game with 52 and you have potentially four guys inactive due to injury makes me a little bit wondering because that leaves essentially two extra spots, one of which will probably be an offensive lineman that'll be inactive. So it makes you wonder how they're going to bounce things out whether we see Ryan Grant play in this game as well. So it's, there's a lot of things to kind of balance out. But as we start to wind things down, uh, and I know a lot of people touched on it over the course of the week, the biggest thing for me for the Packers is, especially on special teams, control that side. Uh, Irvin's had a, been a great jolt to the return game. Mason Crosby's having an all-pro type season. J.K. Scott's starting to become a weapon again. But don't give Detroit special teams a chance to win this game. Uh, Matt Prater had five field goals in the first game. Jamal Agnew is one of the best returners in football. Don't let Detroit special teams win them the game. Yeah, you know, at the beginning of the of the podcast when we were saying how the Packers have the edge at like every single position, I think it is safe to say that the Detroit has the edge when it comes to special teams this year. So, you, so you're right; they can't uh, take over the game. And at the very least, at returner they do with Agnew. He's he has been very good, and Prater wasn't watched uh, at the end of the Monday night game as well earlier this year. But as we start to wind things down, Chris, what are you going to expect from the game, and what are you going to predict is going to happen? Well, I expect the Packer defense to still be playing really, really well. I, I don't expect David Blau to really put much of a dent into the team. And then the pa- and then uh, Packers offensive-wise, I see a, seeing a little bit more of Dexter Williams. Aaron Jones will still get his touches. I don't think he'll get 20 carries this game. I think they're really going to lessen his touches just to keep him fresh. But then also the Packers... Uh, I think they really want to see the number two and number three receivers because I feel Darius Slay is going to be shadowing uh, Devontae Adams. I know he needs, I think, 96 yards 
to get to a thousand. I don't I don't know if he's going to get there, but I really want to see the other receivers step up, especially when you said Kumaro is not going to be playing, might not play. So that's huge as well. Yeah, so that, that's going to be pretty big. But uh, I think the Packers should handle this. If they do, if they keep playing the way they're playing and, and everyone just do, does their job, I feel the Packers can win this game 28-10. to 10. I'm actually going to go even a little bigger than that. I agree with you with all, everything you just said. I do think the defense is going to absolutely dominate this game again. Uh, between the defensive line, Lowry having a very solid month, Kenny Clark being Kenny Clark, and obviously the Smiths, Martinez is playing well again. I think this defense can absolutely throttle Detroit and make them basically ineffective in every sense of the word. But on the other side, I think the offense is going to get going early. I think I think the offense is going to try and make a statement and show that this offense can be a Super Bowl winning offense. Yeah, like you remember uh, a couple of weeks ago, like one of the first plays of the game when uh, Scantling dropped the ball. Like one of those plays, like a big play that right off the bat go down the field and score really and end the game end the decade on an exclamation point. Absolutely, and this could this could be a game to get MVS going as well. Oh yeah, definitely. Especially if, if Kumaro doesn't doesn't play. And because he had that first catch in Minnesota, you saw Aaron Rodgers go right to him and like pipe him up, get him going. This could be the game where he kind of has those big plays. Actually, makes those plays. He give him ball in a jet sweep, have him get take a couple deep shots down the field. Uh, my big thing that I'm expecting is, and and this will make Andy's heart very very warm. The entire fourth quarter is going to be the Tim Boyle laser show. Uh, I, I, I think the Packers are going to have such a big lead that they're going to pull their guys. They, they'll have the, they'll have the game completely in hand, and we're going to see Boyle make some plays down the field. They're going to wrap things up thirty-seven to six. Nice. So, so do you think Rodgers will get three hundred and twenty-one yards to get to four thousand? Think no. he'll get there? No. 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 I think we'll get about two forty. Okay. I, I think they're going to get enough big plays in the running game. I, I think we'll probably see a, a defensive or special teams touchdown. I, I think there's going to be something's going to happen to them because De- Detroit's going to play hard, but I don't know if they're going to play for Matt Patricia yet. We've seen over the past 20 years, the Patriot way has not worked outside of Boston. Yeah. The coaches that have gone to other teams, whether it was Crennel or Charlie Weiss or Mangini or McDaniels or Patricia, has not worked. They have not worked at their other teams except for Cornell a little bit in Kansas City. So I, I, I think Patricia as a coach, I think he's a good mind, but to, can he motivate the players in that locker room enough? And I haven't seen that from them this year, especially after that Monday night game and all the controversy with it. They kind of folded up. So I, I think Green Bay steps on them early. Detroit kind of folds down the stretch, and the Packers run away with it. I think they get that – they lock in that two-seat, and then we all turn to watch the – Hopefully watch the uh, watch Skittle versus Kittle in Seattle and hope that the Seahawks can take down the 49ers. Oh, and that that that's gonna kill me because it it's still so hard for me to root for the Seahawks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Agreed. It's gonna be tough, but I think any they can be any team in Lambeau in the playoffs and exactly and because everyone talks, well, they can't beat San Francisco. They can in the cold. I I don't think San Francisco going two times times over is going to be as a detriment as it was for Green Bay going to the West, like we saw twice this year. But New I don't trust New Orleans to go into Lambeau and win. I don't trust San Francisco to go into Lambeau and win. The only team in Lambeau that would really kind of scare me would be Seattle or Philly. Agreed. Agreed. Those teams who have already played in really weird climates, whether it's rain or whatever Philly is. But I, I, I think we're both agreeing that the Packers – are in good shape. Uh, we they sh- they they should take it to Detroit, but 
But again, you got to play the game. You never know. So enjoy the game, everyone. It's a noon kickoff Central Time, Packers and Lions. Packers trying to get to 13-3 and in the opening year of the Matt LaFleur era. What a what a number that would be, and now it could put LaFleur on the front runner for Coach of the Year. Brian Gutekunst should get Executive of the Year. It has already been a magical year. Hopefully they'll get 6-0 in the division for the first time since 2011. Well, yeah, and then 13-3 would be the second-best record they've had this whole entire decade. Again, yeah, 15-1 in 2011. 15-1, yeah. And and I would say this team is better than that team. I guess better than 2011 team? Yes, because that defense was awful. That defense, oh, yeah, that, it's crazy to think how great that offense was, that their defense actually allowed more yards than their offense gained. Yeah, it was the best offense and the worst defense in the league. It was it was quite the dichotomy. Well, I'd say that then, just for fun, uh, best regular season team this decade, regular season-wise, I, I think it would either be the 2010 or the 2014 team. What do you think? I would lean toward 2010, just because they never trailed by more than seven. And they never lost a game by more than four. All six of their losses were by 20. We're, we're all close. They were They were basically Seattle this year, but with little worse luck. Uh, as best overall team out there, and, and it's hard to compete when you get in there winning the Super Bowl as well. That does kind of play, play a role. Yeah. 2014, you had that up and down path, uh, and plus the Rodgers injury didn't help with his calf. Yeah, just saying regular season wide, I, I think that that would be the second. But I think 2014 over 2011, simply because I think the 2014's defense was better. You could only think in case for 2016 as well in that one. Yeah, I think with run the table. Yeah, the run the table. Mm-hmm. We can both agree that 2017 and 18 were not those teams. No, not at all. And neither was 2013. <laughs> no, but but either way, the fact that we're talking about this makes it shows that it is one of the best decades in Packer history. It has been incredible to be a part of. And over the past year plus, it's been great to talk to everyone, you guys listening on the Packer Day podcast. It's been, it's been, it's been great. And uh, I, you heard a lot of us from our Christmas messages to you guys that it's been so much fun. It's been an honor. And as we wrap things up, Chris, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Chris Schimmel. All right. Find me on Twitter at Mike Wentland. I'm still writing. I'm working on a long article breaking down a Packers all-time draft team. That's taken me a long time. It's a lot of research and a lot of work, but I can't wait to bring that out for you guys as well. So stay tuned for that. A podcast on Twitter and subscribe and like the podcast wherever you can find them. iTunes, SoundCloud, School, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. We are there. And continue listening. Listen to the game recap following Packers, the Packer game on Sunday night and into Monday. And everyone, thank you for listening. Have a happy new year. Enjoy the winter. Enjoy the game. And of course, go Pack Go. We'll talk to you next time.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.